0: up ptb nation happy sunday night it's that time again where we get together here on the ptb media network for the Parking the bus podcast our sunday night football talk every week here on the ptb media network i am your host the mr mike Agustino, and we have another action-packed loaded episode to talk about today we got a lot to go over and let me tell you I just finished watching Brazilian League. I just finished watching Flamengo lose. The same Flamengo I thought had turned the corner four games ago after four consecutive victories. Flamengo returned to the loss column today. Manager Dominic Torrent was resting players, you could tell, for this week's coming Copa Libertadores uh, trip. An interesting um for those of you that follow Flamengo, uh, a very interesting agenda for them, travel agenda coming up as they played this league match today, today earlier tonight. And now th- on Thursday, they will play in Ecuador versus Independiente del Calle. Um, okay, they will play them up in Quito or just outside of Quito. And then they will stay in, in Ecuador next week. Next week, Flamengo do not have a uh, Brasileiro match, a Serie A match in Brazil. They will stay in Ecuador because the following Tuesday, they're going to play against Barcelona. Uh, of Ecuador, Bra- uh, Barcelona de Guajanquil. They'll play them the following Tuesday. So they're going to be in Ecuador for about a week to play two matches. And I guess that it means that they won't have to travel back and forth from Ecuador again until hopefully traveling is much, much easier. So it looks like some good planning. But yeah, I want to talk about this match just a little bit and talk about the Brazilian League just a little bit now as... Like I said, Flamengo go in to Sierra and lose 2-0. A little bit of a surprising result. Despite the fact that so many players were being arrested or are injured, the Flamengo right now also hit with the injury bug. And I'll get more into this when I start to catch up on Flamengo Nation as I have fallen behind a little bit with that podcast due to doing so much here with the PTB Network and with Mr. Benfica. But what you can see is that Um, The rosters in Brazil are not the rosters in La Liga. And I think that is something that, not just La Liga, but in big European teams. And that is something that the manager, Dominic Torrent, is going to kind of learn the hard way it looks like. I thought he'd done a good job to recover his reputation a bit after losing two of his first three matches and only having one point from his first four, I thought that Dominic, uh had turned a corner, and I, I I think he's a good manager actually. I I've enjoyed, for the most part, what I've seen. But but tonight they were not themselves. Now, S- Felipe Luis and and uh, De Hascaleta, Georgian De Hascaleta, Uruguayan international, were, were both injured. Okay, so they they had muscle injuries. They were left out as a precaution before these Copa Lib matches. Uh, Jerson and Bruno Enrique, two of the key components of last year's Copa Lib winning side. and and Brazilian championship side are also shelved and are recovering, trying to get back as soon as possible. So that's four key starters. Their goalkeeper, Diego Alves, has an injured wrist and is out for quite some time as well. Their backup goalkeeper tested positive for COVID and is in the midst of, he is near the end of his 14-day quarantine right now. And uh, so they're playing with a third keeper. And their right back, Rafinha, up and left for Greece, went to Olympiacos a couple weeks ago. But they did bring in experienced Chilean right back, um, Mauricio Isla, and he has stabilized that position. But all that said, I still was disappointed to see them come out today the way they did and to see them drop three points after they'd done so much work to get back in the race. But it is a long season. This was round 10 in Brazil, and there are still 28 matches to go. Now, let's take a look at the results from round 10 of the Brasileirão. So we pick it up on Saturday, September the 13th, yesterday. And we, or sorry, Saturday, September the 12th, yesterday. And we begin in the state of Paraná. And it is Atlético Paranaense 1, Curitiba nil, Santos in a, in a Sao Paulo derby too. The main, the big rivals from the city of Sao Paulo, Santos FC. 2, Sao Paulo, 2. And then we move to today's matches played throughout the day today. Early on, first match of the day was in Rio at the Maracanã. It was Fluminense, 2 Corinthians, 1. Big result for Fluminense. After losing the Fla-Flu derby match midweek in round 9, they rebounded well today with a victory over Corinthians uh, in Porto Alegre, Rio Grande do Sul, you have Grêmio 1, Fortaleza 1, Atletico Mineiro 2, Red Bull Bragantino 1, Bahia 0, Atletico Goianense 1. The match I talked about just a little while ago, Sierra 2, Flamengo 0, Goiás 1, Inter Porto Alegre 0, Palmeiras 2, Sport Recife 2. And in Rio de Janeiro, another Rio derby, a big one. It, they're all big in Rio, of course, but um, and the rivalries, are all very, very heated. And in this one, it was Botafogo 2 and their crosstown rivals. Vasco da Gama 3. Let's uh, go to the table now and let's have a look at that and see who is running the show right now in Brazil after so many Matches played all the time. What I mean by that is th- there's matches. There's a round midweek and a round in the weekend, just about every week. So they have they have 38 matches to cram in between now and February. But here is the table as it stands. First place with 10 matches played on 20 points is Internacional, better known as Inter Porto Alegre. And in second place is Atlético Mineiro, only nine points. They have a match in hand, nine played. They got 18 points. Third place is São Paulo. They have 18 as well on from 10 matches. And now you, fourth place is Vasco da Gama, having a great season for themselves. Uh, expectations were not that high going in, but Vasco da Gama, after nine rounds, they also have a match in hand, have 17 points. They're only three behind the leaders. Fifth place is Flamengo. Who missed a golden opportunity to go joint at the top of the league tonight. Given the other results. Uh, 6th place is Palmeiras. They're quickly finding their way back to where they normally like to be in the top of the table. And they have 17 points just like Flamengo and Vasco da Gama. 7th place is Santos. They we're in the Copa Sudamericana spots now, seven through twelve, I believe. Um, Santos, like I said, is seventh on fifteen points. Fluminense eighth on fourteen. Sierra, after their big win today, moved to ninth with thirteen points. Fortaleza are tenth on twelve. Also on twelfth is Atlético Goyanes in a uh, on twelve points in eleventh place. Twelfth place is Grêmio Porto Alegre. And they have nine matches played. And they also have 12 points. And now this little midsection of the table here where they're not in the relegation zone. But they're not in the comedy ball zone either. You got Atlético Paranaense. They have 11th and 13th place. Sport Recife is also... Um, on 11 points in 14th place. Corinthians, really disappointing right now. They're all the way down in 15th from 9 matches, 9 points, an average of 1 point per match. Not at all where they want to be. In 16th place is Bahia. They have 9 points also, and also with 9 points, but due to goal difference, uh, they are in the relegation zone. It is Botafogo. Nine matches, nine points. Goiás is 18th with eight points. Curitiba, 19th, also on eight points. And last place is Red Bull Bragantino, Seven points from ten matches. And now we look at some stats really quickly here before we, we take that bus out of park and we move it to another part of the world. Here are the goal-scoring leaders in Brazilian Serie A. The Brasileirão. Acai 2020, as it's known for commercial reasons. Thiago Gallardo of Inter is first with six goals. Uh, Germán Cano, Cano is second with five for Vasco da Gama. Felipe Bastos is also from Vasco da Gama. He's third on four, and he shares third place with Marinho from Santos and Gabi goal of Flamengo all on four goals and then you have a whole host of players from 6 to 16 10 players with three goals. Okay, and that is our 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 report from Brazil this for this week and it was a exciting week and speaking of Brazil, their biggest star of course In world football is none other than Neymar Jr. And Neymar is in the headlines tonight. If any of you caught it this afternoon, a fantastically entertaining match between PSG and Olympique Marseille. So we're going to take the bus across the Atlantic Ocean and park it in France. We are in Ligue 1 today. And we have the story of the week. It is... PSG losing again this time to Olympique Marseille 1-0 at the Parc des Princes and with that uh, PSG begin their their championnat with two losses as they are going to be disappointed certainly with that result and Marseille are going to be extremely ecstatic. Their manager, AVB, as you know, André Villas-Boas, a guy who I know quite well, who I've, I've followed semi-closely throughout his entire career, in part because he's Portuguese, in other part due to some of the clubs that he's been at, he's been very visible, with the exception, of course, of his time at Zenit St. Petersburg and in China. A little bit less visible there, but with Porto, Chelsea, Tottenham, Hotspur, and now Marseille, he has been quite uh, visible, and he's going to be very happy with it. So let's let's go over this a little bit. So Marseille score on a controversial goal. Uh, VAR did verify it, but many will still point that they don't believe that that the goal should have stood. If you go to YouTube and look up the The highlights of PSG Marseille, you will be able to see it there and make that decision for yourself. Now this match had so many fouls, like and so much just (laughs) unsportsmanlike play, ungentlemanlike play, which from an entertainment perspective, let's all be honest, can make a match entertaining. And it was. It looked like a rivalry match. Uh, I joked with an American friend of mine that there was there were harder hits in this match than in the NFL's New England Patriots-Miami Dolphins touch football match, as I call it. Um, American Rugby. Sometimes is what I call that sport. The sport, but no. Um, on a serious note, there was just some of these tackles were absolutely vicious. The referee lost control of the match very early. There was an incident where Angel Di Maria may or may not have spit on an opponent uh, on Alvaro, and it looks Alvaro is the player from from Marseille in the middle of the controversy now. Um, he claims to have been spit on he was he was trying to show the referee var was inconclusive you don't see it but if in fact di maria did spit on him obviously di maria escaped a a absolute sending off and alvaro would again be in the midst of controversy with his clamoring with with neymar and neymar would lose his cool as the match was already 10 on 10 at this point as two players had already been sent off and we had a ruckus break out, and you had what looked like a rugby scrum again. You you had as much contact as an NFL American football game in this one, and the referee ends up sending a man from each side out. We were down to nine versus nine, and then just before the ball was put back into play, we're already in stoppage time here. The referee has his hand to his ears, listening to the VAR official. He whistles, does the signal for VAR, runs to the screen, looks. He sees Neymar. Uh, es- essentially, I mean, kicks and punches were thrown, not by Neymar necessarily, but this scrum had it all. There was pushing, there was shoving, there was kicking, there was punches thrown. Okay, and the VAR video shows Neymar whacking Alvaro in the back of the head, uh, striking him. Neymar is sent off with a straight red card. And he's he's not happy. There's different times. There was one time in the first half. You the camera caught Neymar in the midst. This was at the time actually where the the Marseille players were complaining that Di Maria had spit. And Neymar, I picked up some of what he was saying to the Marseille bench. Now because Marseille has a number of Portuguese uh, coaches in their staff, I I picked up enough of the Portuguese. Where he sa- where Neymar was trying I think to explain what was going on and he was pointing towards Alvaro and then and then I this assistant coach said something else to, to the extent of of something that Neymar might have been guilty of and I understood him say, Ew, mean me, you're blaming me And then he said something that I couldn't understand because the, the the microphone didn't pick it up but he started to get into a war of words with the the bench from Marseille. Now fast forward to stoppage time here where Mars where where Neymar is sent off. Neymar you know sarcastically applauds the referee and he makes his way towards Alvaro and says something else while pointing at him. And we come to find out after the match Neymar is accusing Alvaro Gonzalez I believe is his last name of Marseille of making racist comments and of calling him a monkey. Now I have an article right here on Mob that came out about an hour ago saying Alvaro denies the accusations of racism and he's hitting back at Neymar. Now, nobody knows what really happened unless you were there because obviously accusations are very hard to... To uh, prove when their words, if you don't have an audio recording, but it says here Marseille defender Alvaro said there was no there is no place for racism as he denies all accusations aimed at him by Paris Saint Germain star Neymar. Neymar was sent off for hitting him in add an additional time in PSG's one nil loss. The Brazil star wrote on Twitter that he regretted not hitting Alvaro in the face instead of in the back of the head. And he followed up by saying that he had been called a monkey mother fill in the blank. Now, Alvaro dismisses this allegation in a post of his own on Twitter. And he says there is no place for racism. He wrote, clean race with, excuse me, clean race and with many colleagues and friends on a daily basis. Not exactly sure what that means. That's probably a poor translation into English. And then he says, "Sometimes you have to learn to lose and take it on the field." Incredible three points today, boys, towards his teammates. Leandro Perez, Leivin Kur- Kurzawa, Jordan Amavi, and Dario Benedetto were all sent off. Were also sent off in additional time. So this match finished nine versus eight, but there was only time for one more free kick, and it was it was dealt with by the Marseille goalkeeper. And the match would come to an end. And let's quickly run down the results here in Ligue 1 for week. Are we at week 3 now? We are at week 3 for Ligue 1. And let's take a look at the results starting starting on Friday night is when the round started with Bordeaux. Drawing 0-0 with Lyon. Nothing much to talk about there. A 0-0 draw stalemate. Uh, yesterday, we move into Montpellier 3, Nice 1, and Saint Etienne 2, Strasbourg 0. Move to today, we start off with Lille 1, Metz 0, Angers 1, Rheims 0, Dijon 0, Brest 2, Lorient 2, Lens 3, Nimes 2, Rennes 4. Monaco two, Nantes one, and of course the match we just spoke about, Paris Saint-Germain nil, Marseille one. Tomorrow we have Lyon playing again against. Uh, sorry, not tomorrow. Tuesday, we have Montpellier taking on uh, Lyon, and then on Wednesday we have Paris Saint-Germain taking on Metz. Now let's look at the table as. Uh, Leon and, and PSG have matches in hand, if I'm not mistaken, as they were taking part of the Champions League final stage, the Elite Eight when when the league season started. And so we have our table now. And top of the table, after three matches, we have three teams with seven points. So when you go to goal difference, this is how it breaks down. Ren are in first place with 7 points as we said from 3 matches. They have a plus 3 goal difference. Monaco and Lille right behind them with a plus 2 goal difference also on 7 points. Fourth place one with uh, 6 points just one behind is Saint-Étienne and they nudge uh, Marseille, Nice, Lens and Angers on goal difference. So from 4th to 8th you have Five teams with six points all tied for for fourth place. Ninth place is Bordeaux with five points. And then 10th is Lyon. And they have four. Nantes also on four, but with a a third match played, whereas Lyon have only two. Then we have another cluster of teams from 12 to 15. You have Nîmes. Nîmes. Excuse me, Nîmes. Montpellier, Lorient. And Brest all on three points. In 16th, you have Stade Reims with one point. And then 17th through 20 are the teams yet to get a point. And Mets are 17th. And then shockingly, Paris Saint-Germain, the defending champions, Champions League finalists, are in 18th right now. Two matches, two losses, minus two on the goal difference. 19th is Dijon. They have also zero points, as we mentioned. They have a negative six goal difference. And in 20th place, last place, Strasbourg, with the same three matches, no points, negative six goal difference. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Like I said, that's just part of it. So when we come back, we are going to go over a few. Uh, we're going to go over some results here in North America. All right, next up is our segment on uh, north America so we'll talk Major League Soccer in WSL Canadian Premiership as well all right as we will go to Mario Mata up there in the great white north up there in the true north strong and free as I like to call it in the six in in Toronto uh, greater Toronto he's not quite in Toronto he's in Ontario and uh, he's got another report for us as the CPL is nearing its conclusion A lot of excitement going on up there. Also, coming up, we still have a report from England. We'll also go to Mexico tonight before we're done, as usual, and check in with Liga MX. There's results of the DFB Pokal first round. That is, of course, the German Cup. And Leo Kukakis of D-Gens United will be here again, as always, later in the show for the Sunday night sportsbook segment powered by betonline.ag. And we've got a lot to talk about. He gave us a bet of the week last week. We'll see how we did. We're going to talk about the Nations League in that segment a bit. We're going to go back to it. And then we're going to talk about the opening weekend for so many of the leagues across Europe. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. This is Park in the Bus, Episode 12 here on the PTB Media Network. And if you haven't already, please go to PTB underscore media on Twitter and Facebook on Instagram, excuse me, and f- give us a follow there. All right, we'll be right back. And welcome back to episode 12 of Parking the Bus here with the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and we're going to quickly go through some MLS action here for you now as it was another weekend of action from Major League Soccer here in the United States. So the bus now arrives in the United States and we're going to park it. Right here we're going to start with the results On Saturday, 9-12, September the 12th, we had Chicago 2, Columbus 2, DC United 0, New York Red Bulls 2, New York City FC 2, FC Cincinnati 1, Orlando City 2, Inter Miami 1, Philadelphia 2, New England Revolution 1, Nashville SC 4, Atlanta United 2, FC Dallas, 2. Houston Dynamo, 1 in a Texas Derby. Real Salt Lake, 0. Colorado Rapids, 5 in a Rocky Mountain Cup matchup for that rivalry out in the Rockies. And earlier today, we had Sporting. Kansas City, 1. Minnesota United, 0. And currently in action. Montreal Impact, lead Vancouver Whitecaps, 4-2 right now. They're nearing the end of the match up there in Canada. And LAFC and Portland are just underway out on the West Coast, as is San Jose and the LA Galaxy in the original Clasico de California. And that is the that is the it for matches this weekend. Let's take a look at the standings. Of course, remembering that some matches are still in progress. Eastern Conference and with 11 matches played for most sides, Columbus Crew are top of the table with 24 points, second are Philadelphia Union with 21, Toronto FC also on 21 in third, and they so also what's important this season due to the way that the season played out with the stoppage due to COVID and then the MLS is back tournament, we have a points per game rate, um number that is ultimately what we're going by here. So let me rephrase that. And in first place, Columbus Crew, 2.18 points per game. While Philadelphia Union and Toronto FC are deadlocked at 1.91 points per game. Orlando City have 1.73 points per game. New York City FC, one point five four five. New York Red Bulls in sixth, 1.27. And in the final playoff spot in the East right now, New England Revolution, also on 1.27. Montreal Impact, Nashville SC, and Atlanta United FC round out the next group of teams. And actually, it is 10 going on to the playoffs, excuse me. And we we have, this is a confusing table this season in MLS. And when this league couldn't, There's a line under 10. This is on MLS's official website, okay? In 11th, we have DC United, 10 points, 0.91 per match. Chicago Fire, 12th, 9 points, 0.8, or 9 games, excuse me, 0.82 points per match. FC Cincinnati have 0.82 as well. And Inter-Miami CFR in the basement, 0.73 points per match. Western Conference now, Sporting Kansas City, 1.82 points per match. Seattle Sounders, 1.8 in second. Minnesota United FC, 1.55. LA Galaxy, 1.56 as is Portland Timbers. Houston Dynamo have 1.27 as do rail. Salt Lake and FC Dallas is there as well. 1.3 points per match for Colorado Rapids in ninth. LAFC 1.2. Vancouver Whitecaps with one point per match as is the basement dwellers. San Jose Earthquakes. Make sense of this as you wish. Major League Soccer never disappoints in making things confusing. So that is where the league stands as of this week. And now it is time to go visit our friends up north. That's right, we're gonna go to Canada, the CPL, which is a lot less confusing. His winding down its its tournament and its championship for this year. Alright, we're gonna throw now to Mario Mata again as we have each of the past several weeks, as he is going to give us his Canadian Premier League CPL report as we're getting very close to the final of the CPL. Mario, take it away.
1: Thank you so much for everyone joining the coverage of the Canadian Premier League on the Parking the Bus program. I'm Mario Mota up here in Canada to bring you the most recent updates on this league that is quickly coming to a conclusion. Uh, For those that have been tuning in, we're down to the last final two weekends. Uh, This weekend just wrapped up and we saw the commencement of the group stage. The four teams that did advance to this uh, stage was the Halifax Wanderers, Calvary, Forge and Pacific. It was a one game each setup. I think I believe in the last show I might have done a, a mistake in stating that it was home and away setup, but it's just a one game each, meaning each team plays three games. They've played two of those games, uh, officially have wrapped up for this weekend with one more game coming in the next couple of days for each side. Uh, To give you an idea of the standings and how things are looking at the moment, we have Forge FC with 4 points, Halifax Wanderers with 4 points, Calvary with 3 points, and Pacific with 0 points, meaning they are officially eliminated out of the competition with one game to play against Halifax remaining. Um, To just break down how these sets of games have unfolded, we had the first game to kick this off was Halifax Wanderers against Forge FC, Halifax did take the lead, and uh, Forge ended up tying the game 1-1 with a very controversial penalty. Uh, it was a handball, but uh, to be honest, uh, just there's no way to react to that. I think the majority of the community they believe it was a very poorly called penalty, but either way, it did give Forge the critical point uh, that... Put them on the table. Um, the other game that day was Calvary versus Pacific. Uh, again, another penalty to kick off that game. Uh, followed up with uh, a goal, a second goal by Calvary. An own goal by Calvary to put Pacific back into the game before. Calvary did finish it off with another goal in the 75th to end that tie. And uh, put Pacific reeling. And uh, basically yesterday, uh, Forge put Pacific out of their misery with another penalty to kick off that game. Uh, which this time was more legitimate, and uh, Randy Nova, or Anthony Novak, I mean, uh, topping a second goal near the end of the game to make it 2-0, eliminating Pacific. And on the other end, Halifax got the best of Calvary with a penalty again. Uh, and uh, Calvary ended up managing a red card for that foul. It was a very clumsy challenge they got in the second minute for a yellow. Penalty at the 11th minute, resulting in a second yellow and a red card right away and then a second penalty for the Wanderers to make it two goals before Calvary tried making a last-minute comeback with a goal, but was not far enough for them. Uh, So they should be calling it the penalty games instead of the island games. As you can hear, there was quite a bit of uh, referee-made decisions here. I would say all of them were relatively good. calls, good calls, uh, outside of the first one was pretty bad for Forge. Uh, but looking at it now, when you stare at this table, uh, knowing that there's only one game left for each of these sides, uh, how tight it is, how the structure of it, uh, we basically have a situation where if uh, Forge beat Calvary, they're through. If Forge tie Calvary, uh, and let's say Halifax loses to Pacific, you have a three-way tie of four points. Um, you could have another scenario where the Wanderer's be Pacific, Forge size Calvary, and you still have two teams tied for four points. So to break down the rules that would settle the tiebreaker, it looks at the accumulation of the games played prior to this group stage throughout this uh, short season and the games within the group stage, and it looks at head-to-head. So you take a look at the difference between the teams on a head-to-head basis. You take a look at the goal differential uh, as the second option and uh, goals four. So, on the goals for and goal differential, uh, Forge seems to have that on their wraps since there is only one game left. It's between Calvary and Forge. Forge has 16 goals scored. Um, Calvary has 14 goals. And on the goal difference, uh, you've seen Calvary and Forge concede the same number of goals, meaning the differential both falls uh, in favor of the Forge, including the number of goals scored. So if they do end up tied, and that ends up being the uh, breaking item, uh, Forge does have an advantage. Halifax Wanderers, uh, if we have that three-way tie scenario right now, are sitting at 15 goals. Um... Scored uh, So, on the goal differential, in their case, they've only conceded nine goals, so they have the same goal differential as Forge. So, in the three-way tie scenario, it looks like it would be Forge and Halifax that would advance to the final two, the uh, ending match. And for that ending match, when that does take place, it is going to be the 19th of September. So by the time you hear this broadcast next week, at the end of Sunday evening or throughout your week, we'll likely be discussing who is the Canadian Premier League champion on the following show. And for those that are unaware, when you looked at Forger's Calvary in the uh, season this year, they did tie it up when you looked at Halifax Wanderers versus Forge. They also tied it up. Uh, Calvary was the only one that did get a win against Halifax. Uh, So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they figure out this tiebreaker. I believe in the three-way scenario it is going to be that goal differential will be critical. Let's say Calvary gets the best of Forge and scores and wins, giving them six points. And Halifax then proceeds to also lose their game, then it will be critical to kind of see how much the goal difference would be. Uh, But it's looking more and more likely that we're not going to see the two finalists of Calvary and Forge in the final again. It looks like Halifax has a leg in there. With Pacific being eliminated and just playing for Pride, you think that Halifax should have the advantage. Um, They were looking... To be becoming stronger throughout this tournament and they're really kind of blossoming into the tail end and uh, as the first show on the broadcast did say they are the local team in the East Coast so they are likely uh, getting some momentum there believing that maybe they can win the championship in their own backyard which should make it quite exciting. On the MLS front, uh, not too much in terms of update. There was another game played, uh, this time Toronto FC getting the best of the impact. Uh, basically making it extremely difficult for the impact, even though they had uh, less games played uh, to catch up. They, they need a scenario where they win the remainder of their games to basically go to the head tie in the gold differential to see who will be meeting up these um, two teams. They have yet to set up a date for that final match between the Canadian Premier League champion and the winner of the MLS side. Um, at the moment, uh, the one thing that is firm is next weekend's game for the Canadian Premier League uh, winner. And we'll know that one on the next broadcast. And hopefully at that point, they'll provide some more details on when they would have the winner of the Canadian Premier League versus the Canadian MLS uh, leading team. Uh, The biggest challenge right now is with this bubble environment and the cross-border travel, Canada having quite a bit of restrictions. It is resulting in TFC, Montreal Impact, and the uh, Whitecaps finding new homes all over the U.S. to play the remainder of this MLS season that they're coming out with now. Uh, They're trying to this condensed season, Um, not like the NBA bubble where it was all in one state. It's still going to be spread out, but the issue is that these Canadian teams will not be north of the border when they're playing their games. They'll be playing somewhere in the U.S. side, and it'll be interesting if there is any restrictions in trying to get that team over the border to wrap up this tournament, or if we'll have to wait a few more weeks before we get the results for that game. Outside of that, I'm Mario with the Park and the Bus Network here. Providing some coverage of the Canadian Premier League. As always, thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate the feedback. You guys have an outstanding week.
0: Thank you again, Mario, for that very informed report. Thank you for everything you do for the show and for bringing us great content every week. And I cannot wait for that final next week. And I look forward to hearing from you for the final installment. 1 week from tonight. Now before we take a break, we've got just a uh, two results to talk about in NWSL, that's right, the na- the National Women's Soccer League here in the United States. Two matches played this weekend. Both of them were yesterday, September the 12th. We had Washington Spirit 2-1 winners over Chicago Red Stars and the defending well, and the defending champion, they weren't the the Challenge Cup champions, but the champions of the league. North Carolina Courage 4, Houston Dash 3. I'm going to take another break here. And on the other side, we're going to England. We're going to park the bus in England, and we're going to be there a while. We've got Premiership, Championship, and WSL to talk about on the other side. Here on the Parking the Bus podcast, episode number 12. (laughs) Welcome back to Parking the Bus, episode 12. And now we're going to take our bus to England. That's right. It's going across the ocean, and we're going to park it right in England. We've got a lot to cover here. We're going to start in the Premier League. It is the beginning of the Premier League season. So let's look at some of the results from round one. Starting Saturday, okay, we had Fulham in their return to the league at home at Craven Cottage being visited by Arsenal. The Gunners take a 3-0 victory in that match. Crystal Palace, 1-0 winners at home over Southampton. Liverpool and Leeds, this was the big match, I think, of round one. At least for me, everyone wanted to see how Leeds was going to do with the jump. And Liverpool, it's champion versus champion. It is the Premier League champion versus the defending champion of the championship And it would be Liverpool 4, Leeds 3. Let's look a little closer at this one as I will read the lineups really quickly. Starting with Liverpool, Allison is in goal. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joe Gomez, Virgil van Dyke, and Andrew Robertson make up the back four. With Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson, and Jorginho Wijnaldum making up the midfield. In the attack, it is the hat-trick man Mohamed Salah. Joined by Bobby Firmino and Sadio Mane. Leeds managed by Marcelo Bielsa on the other end. Ilian Ma- M- Messilar is the goalkeeper. They, they're playing a 4-1-4-1 formation. The right back is Luke Eiling. The center back pairing Robin Koch and Pascal Sturgic, And Stuart Dallas is the left back. Calvin Phillips, the holding midfielder in front of him. Four attacking midfielders. Jack Harrison, uh, Matthews, Kleech, Pablo Hernandez, and Elder Costa. With Patrick Barnford up front and we did not yet see or we saw in the 62nd minute the introduction of former Valencia and Benfica striker Rodrigo to the to the match as he is a new signing for Leeds. Um, but Leeds hung. They definitely hung with the champs here. And we'll look at the match facts and really quickly we'll just get the tallies here. So Mohamed Salah opened the scoring in the 4th minute from the penalty spot. Jack Harrison drew level in the 12th. Virgil van Dyke in the 20th. Patrick Barnford, or Bamford, I should say, once again, pulls level. 30th minute, Mo Salah will score again in the 33rd. This was a back-and-forth match. In the 66th, Klich will make it 3-3. And then in the 90, no, sorry, in the 88th minute, Penalty for Mohamed Salah. And Salah converts two penalties in his man of the match performance here. And Liverpool are winners on opening day. Elsewhere in the Premier League now. We move through the rest of the results. And we have here, still on Saturday... We have West Ham United hosting Newcastle United and West Ham Nil Newcastle 2. We move to Sunday's matches. And on Sunday we had Just two matches in the in the Premier League. West Bromwich Albion in their return to the Premier League. Drop a 3-nil thumping to Leicester City. And Jose Mourinho gets his. Tottenham season off on the wrong foot losing at home 1-0 to Everton and unfortunately what's become kind of kind of normal if you will is he was critical of his team and rightfully so but he was also critical of the referees and even when he's right that really puts people off and I think at this stage in his career I think Jose needs to have a little bit of an evolution there in his in his uh In his his comments towards referees and whatnot, and I mean, I think he's a brilliant manager still, and I think his work last year with Tottenham, from where he took the team when he started and where it finished, was a fantastic um, piece of work. I mean, I think it's it speaks for itself. However, he really there are there are parts of his game that even at his age he could really he could really get rid of and it would be a benefit to him. But that was the results there for the Premier League. Um, two matches to play tomorrow on Monday. We have Sheffield United hosting Wolves and Brighton, Hove, and Albion host Chelsea. And that will close round one. Now, the talking points, obviously, like I said, the Liverpool-Leeds match would bring a lot of light. United and City still yet to kick off as they were, they had their matches postponed this past weekend. And we will wait for their debuts later in the week. And we're going to move now to one of my favorite leagues in the world. And um, you, those of you that have listened to the show before know that last season, um, which was not that long ago, which was a couple of weeks ago, um, we spent quite a, a great deal of time on the Sunday Night Sportsbook, uh, myself and Leo, talking about the English Championship. Well, the championship is back and their first round of matches are complete. And some of the stories I'm looking into this season um, in the championship, which is always filled with great storylines, uh, the first thing I'm looking at is going to be the the response from a Brentford from losing the championship playoff final okay that's always a tough spot to be the one the team to come back after having to lose that final. I want to see how they react this season they've lost some players. And I want to see just what type of season they have. And also, I'm watching closely to Wickham Wanderers, the team that won the League 1 playoff final. And I want to see how they adjust to life in the higher division. So let's, without further ado, move to the results here for the first week of the championship. As it got kicked off on Friday evening, Friday, September the 11th, of course, with Watford 1 Middlesbrough nil. Saturday, we had Birmingham City 1, Brentford 0 to, to touch base on that. But it is a long, long season, 46 rounds in the championship. So you can't get too hung up over one result in the other team I said I was watching. Wickham Wanderers nil Rotherham United 1. Tough start for both of those squads. a Newly relegated uh, AFC Bournemouth 3, Blackburn Rovers 2. Barnsley nil Luton Town 1 Bristol City 2 Coventry City 1 Cardiff City nil Sheffield Wednesday 2 Derby County nil Reading 2 Huddersfield Town nil Norwich 1 Millwall nil Stoke City nil Preston North End nil Swansea City 1 and Queens Park Rangers 2 Nottingham Forest 1 that is it after week one, and really, we're going to need a few more weeks to start letting some storylines develop, of course, but you have here, in what is fairly uncommon to get this many winners in week one, you got 10 teams on three points, that's Queens Park Rangers Reading, Bournemouth, Bristol City, Birmingham City, Lutontown, Norwich City, Rotherham United, Swansea City, and Watford, all on three points. And then you have Millwall, Stoke, Blackburn, sorry, Millwall and Stoke on a point each. That was the only draw of the round. And then the rest of the teams with no points as the table fills out. Lastly, before we leave England, there is another league and we do need to touch on it. And it is the WSL. That's right. It is the Women's Super League as they are in a full swing as the, they have gotten started back up. They're at round number two. Here are the results of this weekend in women's Super League action. On Saturday, West Ham United won Arsenal 9. A, a big victory for the Lady Gunners on Sunday. T- earlier today, Chelsea 9. Bristol City nil, Everton 1. Tottenham Hotspur nil. We'll talk about Tottenham in just a moment. Birmingham City 2, Manchester United 5, Manchester City nil, Brighton Hove, Albion 0, and Reading FC 3, Aston Villa 1. Let's quickly glance the table after. Two rounds here in the WSL. Arsenal and Everton are top of the table. No surprise there for people who follow this league and follow this division. They are two of the long-standing powerhouses, um, each, each of them with six points from two matches. Chelsea are third on four points, along with Manchester United, Brighton, Hove Albion, and Manchester City. Sixth, uh, sorry, fifth is, uh, sorry, I I digress. Seventh is Reading FC on three points. And then in eighth, you have Tottenham Hotspur. Ninth is West Ham United. They're each on a point. And then in the bottom three, you have Aston Villa, Birmingham City, and Bristol City, all with zero points. Bristol City in the basement in the one relegation spot in 12th with a goal difference of minus 13. There is news regarding the WSL this week also. As it was heard, or I should say these shockwaves were heard around the entire women's footballing world as U.S. world champion um, and U.S. international. Alex Morgan signs with Tottenham Hotspur. She has left the NWSL and she has joined Tottenham Hotspur. And she joined some fellow w- NWSL alumni in the WSL now crossing the pond to play in what I believe is a better league and what I believe is a better formatted competition than what we have here in North America. That's going to offend somebody. I know that the fans of the NWSL much like the fans of major league soccer very, very produ- uh, protective of their, their league. And it's a weird dynamic in this country here in the United States where you have fans of an actual league, which are angry that, that among others, Alex Morgan has gone to the rival if you will has gone to Europe when when we you know when we have a women's league here but let let's be honest for a minute will you don't live in the in the present people get left behind like that okay yeah you hear a lot of people saying life advice is to live in the present well you live in the present in 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 some aspects in business especially you get left behind you need to see the future and you need to be ahead of the curve and alex morgan makes a fantastic career decision in my opinion because the future of women's football is in europe and why Because the UEFA Women's Champions League is on its way to being the biggest club competition in the world for women's football, if it's not already. Okay, You have big clubs investing big money in the women's game. You don't have that in North America. In North America, you have a league subsidized by U.S. soccer. A U.S. soccer federation that is being sued by its players, remember. Okay, over wages and over other issues, right or wrong, that's not the discussion here. The discussion is the league is not viable by itself here. Now, with CBS getting into the into the picture and promoting the league and doing a fantastic job at that, okay, the NWSL's future looks better than its past, however... I think there's so much more upside in Europe when you have large clubs with great brand recognition, such as such as Manchester United, Chelsea, Barcelona, Wolfsburg, uh, Paris Saint Germain. All all invest in heavily. AC Milan, Juventus, all investing heavily in their women's team. I'm sorry, but a club—it's not even a club—a franchise. Let me let's call it what it is—a franchise called called. North Carolina courage is not going to be able, or even Orlando pride cannot compete with the type of brand recognition, worldwide recognition of a Juventus, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, etc., etc., Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc., Yes, the future of women's football is in Europe. It is not in North America. I'm sorry, NWSL fans. But very soon, your league will be just like Major League Soccer. It will be a place for players to hone their skills, to make a name for themselves, to earn their way into a national team, and get themselves a better deal overseas because the future is so bright for women's football in Europe. There is money being invested. There will be returns on those investments. Mark my words okay, the women's athletes are going to be household names, okay, they will be household names, and when you get names like Alex Morgan going to the WSL and joining some of the other NWSL alumni, big-name, world-recognized names such as Sam Kerr at Chelsea, the Australia International um, Manchester United with two Americans of their own, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath, Manchester City with Rose Laval and Sam um, Mewis, as well as Canadian international Adriana León. at West Ham United. There is a lot of uh, big names moving to Europe to play football. Um, I think women's football in Europe has is gonna blow up. I think it's gonna be huge. I really do think it's gonna be huge, and I think the NWSL needs to check itself because its format is not good. Okay, the league is hurting. Okay, financially, you can't convince me otherwise. You don't have the recognition in the world that these clubs in Europe have. Okay, and you're seeing these big names. This is just the start. This is just the start of of big name women footballers going to Europe okay and i'm excited about this to be honest it brings more notoriety brings more visibility to the game and um i think if the women's game becomes more global it's a better thing okay the united states has has had a great history in women's football however i believe they've made a lot of mistakes in the way that they have structured the game i believe they made a lot of mistakes in player development that they have been able to cover for due to the large gap in in player pool and depth and in the large gap of athleticism that american athletes possess over their their counterparts around the world, but that window is closing. Yes, the United States are the deserved world champions. However, there are teams that are closing that gap fast and they're playing better football than the United States. There is no question about it. This is going to sound cliche ish and this is going to trigger some U.S. soccer diehards, but the U.S. plays soccer and the Europeans play football. I will leave it at that. And I think that the future of the women's game is, is beyond bright. It is, it is immense over there. And excited to see big names attached to these clubs and bring a lot of notoriety. And um, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out the WSL. Can't wait to see a Manchester derby with, with players of this caliber involved in it. Not to mention that Chelsea team is strong. And as we said in the in the standings... You know, in the table, Arsenal and Everton are two of the perennial powers, and they're already at the top of the table. All right, we're going to take a quick break eh, because when we come back, it's time for everybody's favorite segment on this show. It is time for the Sunday Night Sportsbook presented and powered by betonline.ag. Don't move a muscle. I'll be right back with Leo Kukakis of DGEN's United for the Sunday Night Sports Show here on Parking the Bus episode 12 and welcome back to the park and the bus podcast it's episode 12 and it is now time for everybody's favorite segment he's back the king degenerate is here that's right leo kukakis rejoins us from d united it's time for the sunday night sports book presented by betonline.ag leo what's up brother
2: What's up, Capitano? How we feeling today, baby? Another beautiful day to be alive. It's been a great weekend.
0: Sure has. It sure has. Now, uh, I understand you've been watching some of that American rugby stuff, um, but we're going to stick to real football today, okay? (sighs) I'm going to keep it with real football now.
2: <laughs> rugby's rugby's going to be the shot fired <laughs> <laughs> so
0: let let's kick it off where we left off last week let's kick it off with uh UEFA Nations League all right what did you see in the second uh, group of matches there on Monday and Tuesday
2: Well I mean second group of matches we talked about the uh, Denmark England game
0: that was our pick of the week yep you want to go right to that
2: uh, Let's go straight to the pick of the week All man. right how'd that
0: work out for us?
2: Immediately, so we ended up splitting it. We ended up hitting the plus half a goal. We ended up losing Denmark on the money line. About 10 minutes into that game, I realized, oh, boy, I messed up. We should have taken the draw. We should not have taken the uh, Denmark money line. You know
0: what, though? I still think you made the right pick because if I had to take that pick again, I still would have taken Denmark, especially after we, we spoke. We had, what, two England players sent home? for the breaking protocol
2: and excellent excellent work <laughs> Phil Foden he yeah. a boy did you see did you see who it was though that a boy that's my so, boy so
0: with that I, I when that happened I said oh what a genius pick because I would have expected Denmark to win at that point but like you said uh we we uh we got that plus the plus half uh half a goal for Denmark yep. so we made out okay and um, that, was, that was a good pick that you added that there. And the, you added that little second piece when you, when you made the suggestion.
2: Yeah, man. Sometimes you got to do a little half and half action. You got to go um, plus half a goal. You got to take the spread just in case and then hope that you hit the money line. We had a similar situation yesterday in American rugby where we had the Arizona Cardinals uh, plus seven and a half points. You take the money line too. You hope they win like they did. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm rich.
0: You think those American rugby players watched uh, PSG in
2: Marseille? I definitely recorded it <laughs> on football. Definitely. Uh How did you feel about the game? You watched it more than I did. How? How did oh, you? Oh, that about was
0: that? entertainment, man. That was entertainment. Um, I talked about it earlier in the episode here, and yeah, you know, every tackle was meant with with a vicious, you know, with. Vicious ferocity, and if you if you think tackle's gone out of the ga- gone out of the game, tackling, go back and watch that match. Um, every single time, they were laying it in studs up top of the foot. They're bringing it in. You know, um, there's accus- accusations now. Neymar saying that he was being taunted with racial abuse from Alvaro. So um, Alvaro has denied it. Who knows? Nobody's on the unless you're down there and you hear it yourself. You don't know, but.
2: Neymar is such a special little duck. He really is.
0: You're not a Neymar fan, huh?
2: You know, I'm a bigger Neymar fan than most people, but, like, no, I'm not a Neymar fan. <laughs> this guy. All yeah. the talent in the world, and he's just such a putz. Really it it is
0: a frustrating thing about him because, like you said, all the talent in the world. And so far, he's really – I think he's, he's going to be one of the worst advised professionals in any sport. I mean, it seems like yeah. all his – so he's got a straight red. Is he going – he's going to be partying for the next three weeks now that he's he's going to be sitting out and it's like probably going to catch COVID again. Like who knows what, what's in the future. This could Listen, be an interesting thing to watch over the next couple of weeks is what Neymar does with this time off.
2: Neymar doesn't stop partying regardless, okay? Neymar, he, he don't care, man. He's going out. It's his birthday. Yeah, He pulled his hamstring. He has you four birthdays a year. Yeah, man. And Smart then he, dude.
0: And then he's gonna cry about how, how how hard life is and whatnot. But anyway, I digress. Let's get back to Nations League. Uh so we got we got Denmark and we got England.
2: What else did uh what else did you put your money on in, in that nations league? So in the Nations League, I actually kept it pretty easy. I didn't go too too hard. Um it was Denmark, England. If you guys see me looking to my left, it's just cause I have all my numbers up here. Um so we did talk about the Netherlands-Italy matchup, I thought that was really, really interesting. I was stunned, honestly, to see Italy come up on top. Um, the game that I was on, though, was Poland-Bosnia. I was all over Poland in that one. Uh, luckily, Poland comes up with a 2-1 win. That was a big, big win for us. Um, let's move on to Tuesday, too. Let's check out – oh, we talked about Austria and how overrated Austria. Yeah, that, that was a great shout. <laughs> and look at that. Romania comes up and beats them. Bookies still don't care. Bookies will still favor Austria. But, hey, look at that. Romania come up and Austria suck again. Stunning turn of events. Um, (laughs) The other results, let's check out Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, Tuesday. You had Portugal, Sweden. I thought that was a really quality performance from Portugal. How about you?
0: Oh, yeah, that was great. Um, You know, Ronaldo getting his 100th international goal. First European to do it. Um, Someone asked (laughs) – So of course you know you get into these the uh, I think it was Fox Deportes or maybe it was even Two DNA tweets out the hundredth goal link and they oh yeah but he doesn't have to play twice in our against Brazil he doesn't you know blah 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 blah, blah. Messi has seventy goals okay there's no comparison in international scoring which one has been better. And Messi has played plenty of games against Kuwait and against the Faroe Islands, not the Faroe Islands, but the Solomon Islands. Argentina plays everybody. But, (laughs) uh, no, but on a serious note, first European to go over the century mark. Now eight goals away from being the all-time leading international goal scorer. And he's looking like he's got got time in front of him. It doesn't look like he's going to be finishing just yet. Um, All the talk that, you know, Portugal are quote unquote better without him. Yeah, they're they're prettier maybe, but they don't win that game without him.
2: I don't understand how people say such stupid things. And then you know the scary thing is that they believe it. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean you're taking one of the best players of our generation, possibly of all time, and you're oh no, they're better without what are you stupid? That's pretty, like, much, like really? that's pretty much
0: what Fernando Santos said in the. No, he says it's impossible to take the best player in the world and out of your team and be better. That's that's just a lack of common sense. But you know, everybody wants to. I think part of it is people want to show how much they know the game and oh, but the passing is better and the circulation of the ball is better and and the team has a better shape and they're not, they're all playing as a team. I, it's like they played as a team against Sweden you know he's the striker you feed a striker whoever it is
2: but that's the thing he's not even just the striker <laughs> right he can be a winger he right. can be a number 10 he he's one of the most versatile players in the world he's not especially because he's taller and stronger messi is a winger yeah he may be exactly number 10 as well but he's not a striker and i, I point I, this I out
0: him. all the time right i point this out and people roll their eyes when i say this but it's true the man defends set pieces. Yeah. He defends corner kicks. He defends set pieces. Messi doesn't have to do that. And this is no that. use doing that. But this guy does it, okay? And then he sprints 80 yards up the pitch to try to get in position because he wants to score that bat. And people see this, this want to score as being, like, quote-unquote selfish. But his job is to score. And like you said, he's not just the winger. Those three in the front are so interchangeable with each other. They can weave in and out. Yeah. And he, he can pop up on the left. He can pop up on the right. He can be, you know, a poacher in front of goal when needed. And he doesn't have to be in one spot, which makes it harder to defend him.
2: Yeah.
0: And he, I mean, these people still, are just the- – He's still the best header of the ball offensively in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. That's probably the most underrated part of his game, too. Mm-hmm. He That is a brilliant man in the air. Um, but, hey, we had other games on Tuesday, too. We had France-Croatia. What a, That game was terrible. I mean, it was 4-2, so, I mean, it was back and forth. It was somewhat entertaining, but the play just wasn't, I don't know, well, it was enjoyable for me.
0: Yeah, you had a couple key components missing. We talked last week about who was out for Croatia, Rakitic, and, and Modric, principally, mm-hmm. but also Mbappe misses that one. He was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, already tested positive for COVID before that one. He, after thanks having, Neymar. The previous, yeah, thanks Neymar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I got a little excited when it was what was it two two at one point, I think, and uh, thinking maybe maybe France would drop a point there, but
2: they took care. I'm gonna of it. be honest. I, I missed all the Group A games that day. I had uh, Lichtenstein and San Marino on. Lichtenstein. Oh, how
0: can you miss Lichtenstein and San Marino? Two
2: quick goals in the third and fourteenth minute put that game away early. Lichtenstein, beware, folks. The, that team is the real deal. You had Hassler and Frick scoring two goals. Oh, what players! Look out. They're they're going to be signed up by Real Madrid in Barca bar session. I give it a week.
0: <laughs> Do we have still? I. I swear, the only podcast talking about League D, and I'm proud of it.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, somebody's got to cover these poor folks. We got to get our views up in Lichtenstein and what do you call it? Lichtenstein and San Gibraltar. I think they have internet over there.
0: Uh, dude, those are some of the richest countries.
2: <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Well, all right. What else we got? What else we got? We were Ray up Finitions to, League. yeah. What else we have on Tuesday? Anything else there? Uh, we had Belgium-Iceland. Iceland come out. They get the first goal. Belgium comes out, stomps on their throat a little bit. 5-1 yeah. final. Um, Portugal-Sweden. And then Group C, Armenia 2-0 over Estonia. Georgia uh, and Mas- North Macedonia 1-1. Cyprus ends up losing to Azerbaijan. Very disappointing yeah, result. Yeah, for- a
0: disappointing result.
2: Yeah, and then Montenegro beat Luxembourg 1-0. Um, and that was all the results for Tuesday. All right, so that that should
0: wrap up Nations League for this international break. Let's move into this past weekend. What would you watch? Where was your money this past weekend in the football world?
2: So on Saturday, my one big play here was Newcastle United. I love Newcastle United this year. I think that they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. I love the signing of Cullen Wilson. Um, I think that Saint-Maximin, is it's finally his time to explode onto the scene. I think that all the talent, you kind of start glimpses of it at the end of last year. I think that this year he's going to put it together and he's going to have a massive year. He's going to be one of the big transfers in the upcoming um, next summer. So, I mean, 2-0 result there. We had them plus half a goal. Um, at minus 120, we also had them on the money line at plus 278. That was a huge hitter for us on Saturday. But being Greek, my eye was definitely on the Greek League, but nothing that cool. I mean, we couldn't have put together a worse performance yesterday. Let's uh, run we... down.
0: Let, let's take a look at the Greek League since you mentioned it. All right, we're going to run it down. And I'm going to pull up my scores here also.
2: Yeah, I got you on this one.
0: Let's start with the, the cup final because that was on Saturday, correct? Yes. All right, so I'm pulling that up right now. I know your your favorite team is in there, but
2: yep. and as usual, they win one nothing. It stunning turn of events that the referee was, you know, just trying to help him out and did everything possible and just I think two or three missed penalties for Ike. Olympiakos get a ridiculous penalty in the 57th, and then um, El Arabi ends up missing it. Just, just. Just the typical Olympiacos game, guys. Nothing nothing new there.
0: <laughs> now, was the game – was this played at the Olympic Stadium?
2: This was played at the um, – this was played in Thessaloniki.
0: Okay, so, so they played in a neutral s- site. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so – And that's the city where I'm going to be very, very focused on Tuesday. But let's run down the rest of the results here. All right, I got the Greek Super League up. So it was a 1-0 result for Olympiacos in the final. uh, That was the final of last season's Cup, correct?
2: Yes, yes. And it's been postponed, I think, four times now. Right. Twice because of COVID. The other times because the fans were trying to break into the stadium.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: like, yeah. We can't play this because there's going to be riots because of what happened with Balk and uh, Ike a couple of years ago when we made it to CNN because of the shootouts outside of the stadium. That was that was a special time. My people are great. For those of you that had never seen a Greek game, what I recommend you do is Google Ring of Fire, Balk and Olympiacos. They literally lit the stadium on. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. What did they use? Pyro. There we go. They use the pyro stuff. Yeah. They literally created a ring of fire in the entire stadium was chanting. If we don't win, you die. <laughs> that was literally what 20,000 people are chanting. As these people come onto the field, highly recommend watching it thoroughly entertaining.
0: All right. So Friday, you got the two rivals there in central Macedonia. You got Adis and Pauk playing in, in separate matches. Uh, I'll let you pronounce these these team names so I don't butcher them. Want to run down the scores? Do you have them there? Yeah,
2: man. So, Addis come out. They end up winning 3-1 against Lamia. Really poor performance from Addis, who, um, who looked to be going into the Europa League this year. Palk mm-hmm. um, end up winning 1-0 against Lottisa. Not a great performance from Bauck, but we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. or two. And then, we'll circle oh- back. Yeah, Ofi and Patolico finish 1-1, both teams. Those are two teams that are going to be finishing toward the bottom of the table. And then you have Atromito going down to Volus, who is Olympiakos's little brother. Probably the most stunning result of the weekend in the Greek League. Um, Volus not expected to stay up. They're expected Mm -hmm. to go down, and they're not expected to get very many points at all. And then you have my all-stars, Panathineakos, losing 1-0, on the road to uh, Tripoli, it was a it was a tough match to watch. It really was. I was actually watching this game during the American rugby. And then it was just, we just couldn't get the ball together. We couldn't. And this is a year with so much promise with us, so many good young players on the uh, on the team, and we just couldn't, we just really couldn't figure it out, man. It was so frustrating to watch. But, yeah, we ended up losing one now.
0: So let's let's quickly uh, discuss the format of the Greek Super League. So you got 14 teams. If I'm not, if I'm correct, six advance to the championship round, eight to the relegation round. Correct? Yes. At and the all the points point, carry over. And all the points carry over. Okay. So basically, the top teams play each other four times in a season. Yes. Is that right? Okay. So after one week, you know, you got Adi's top of the table on goal difference, along with Volos. And then you got two more teams. You got Tripoli and and Pauk also on three points. Um, let's talk about Pauk because they're of special interest to me. And I, so I uh, I wanted to to get an idea of what my team is up for Tuesday in the Champions League playoffs. Anyone listening to this by now knows that um, I have the Mister Brainfica podcast, which is the the first podcast I ran, and everything has has come from there. Uh, and Tuesday, we're, tra- we're already in Greece, but we're, we've traveled to Greece to play Pauk on Tuesday. All right, so I'm going to take a look at Pauk's 11 here in this game. And do you believe, because you've seen them before, were there any changes in the Pauk 11 in this match versus a, a normal? Any obvious changes?
2: So I don't really expect anything crazy here. Um the front three, I expect to be the same. Gioli, he's an 18-year-old. He's very, very good. He's an up-and-comer. I expect him to be in the national team in the next couple of years. Dimitri Pelkas, he's the number 10. He's the creator for Pauk. Um Akpom, very interesting player. He's always been a hit-or-miss guy. Um, now, they did sign a Polish dude. Oh, I forgot his name. Derski, something like that. Um, they do like him, but I wouldn't expect him to start now in the midfield. I Swede- do expect Carol it.
0: Carol be- Yeah, there we
2: go. Thank you. Yep. Um, in the midfield, I do expect it to be the same with El Kadouri and Schwab. and um, they they like to play five at the back. They, I think, they consider it a three-four-three. Three, but yeah, reality, on paper, but it turns
0: back. into the wing backs drop, right?
2: Yeah, especially with Ghanuli. Ganuli is definitely the superstar of the team. He is the left back, left wing back, whatever you guys want to call sure. him. Yeah. He has a bunch of big teams knocking on the door now. I don't know if uh, Bisawari is going to be playing. I wouldn't – I wouldn't be shocked to see him not play. Um, who else were we looking at here?
0: Um, oh, there, the subs- – there's an interesting su- substitution that obviously – Zivkovic? Yeah, Zivkovic was signed last week. Andrea Zivkovic from us on a free. We finally were able to, to get rid of that contract. That's like he's a player the club had been trying to release for two seasons. And the man so- – To his credit, would not go for anything other than the money that was owed to him. And I I respect that, actually. But um, we finally agreed to terms on a release this offseason. And he pops up at our our Champions League playoff, you know, our uh, qualification opponent a week before the match. And he got in. I see here he went in in the 76th minute. And uh, player you mentioned, Carol Swiderski, went in in the 79th. You had Jose Angel Crespo, a defender, coming on, as is Leo Jabba. So, four substitutions were made by Abel Ferreira, the, the manager, who I also am barely familiar with. And we had plenty of trouble with him when he was the Braga manager. Right. Um, so, I'm expecting a tough match, to be honest. It's a one-game winner-take-all. There's no second leg. And it's on the road. and. Fortunately for us, there's no fans because, as you explained, the atmosphere in Greece is, is very difficult to play against. Everyone who's had to go do, play there has admitted that. Um, so at least it's a little bit evened out by the fact that there won't be fans in the stadium. But it's a one game. This thing could go to penalty kicks, and, and there's, six, you know, 16 million flat out to begin with um, on the line here for a spot. Not even in the Champions League yet. There's still another round to go. Krasnodar is waiting for the winner.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really think that Krasnodar, uh, they're not very good. I would expect the winner of this game to move through without mm-hmm. a problem. Now, Benfica on the Sportsbook side. Benfica currently sitting at minus 137 mm-hmm. on the money line. So not even too advanced. To advance, It's about minus 180 right now. Um, honestly, I do think that you guys have way more talent. and I would not expect this game to really be close. I think Betfica is going to dominate this game. Um, Just watching the way Balk play, Balk is not a very good team. They don't have as much talent as they used to. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the formation that they're going to play. I think Mm -hmm. that Betfica is going to be able to expose them a good amount. Um, Again, it's kind of a – I watched a good amount of this game against Larissa, and there was just no creativity outside of Gioli who was creating. Akbam, not a great striker. Uh, Belkas, he struggles to finish it, um, struggles to finish in front of goal. He's more of a game manager, you know, um, play in the middle of the field type guy. So they're playing him on the right wing right now. I just don't like that. I don't think that it fits. It doesn't really suit his game. So I mean I really do think that Benfica is going to roll in this matchup. I really wouldn't worry too too much.
0: Okay how how are Pauk going to where are they going to look to get their goal? Is are they going to focus on set pieces? Are they going to sit in deep and try to counter? You think or you think they're going to come out and try to attack?
2: So. Pauk's a really interesting team. They don't, they're don't. they not very good on set pieces. They don't have the big, strong center back that, you know, Greece is usually known for. They're a little bit of a different team. They do like to press up. They do like to do that early on in the game. They try, like, um, they're not going to sit back. They're going to come at you. They're going to fight Scratch Claw. They're going to do everything possible. They're going to play a little dirty at times. Um, this is a very un-Greek-like team.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Normally, the Greek teams, they like to sit back. They stay organized. Balk is one of the few teams in Greece that isn't scared to push forward. That isn't scared to, you know, create problems in that in that sense. All right, so
0: it should be an interesting match. It's uh, the team sheet was was not the team sheet, but the the list of players traveling was released. Andreas Samaris left off the team. He did not even travel. Um, to me, that's a mistake. I mean, again, I, I blasted. Uh, I blasted Simeone for leaving João Felix on the bench in the Champions League in his home country. Did the same thing in regard to to Pep leaving Bernardo Silva on the bench. I think when you go to a player's home country for a game like this, something special is, is could happen. I would have left him in the team, honestly. I know he's not a, a first-choice player anymore, but to me, he's still one of the main leaders in the team, and he's one of the key personalities. And... He, I'm a little, a little sad about that, to be honest, and um, I would have used them because one, you have a set of ears that can hear what's going on on the other, on the other sideline. Yeah, I tend, to, I tend yeah. to
2: agree with you, but in reality, there's just not that many Greeks anymore. Okay,
0: okay, that's fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, but I think. If, if he could play the way they, they have in the friendlies. Now, this is the first real game. I think Pauk has an advantage having played a real match already in that sense. And hopefully, I don't know where, where George Azuz is going to go with his lineup. I, I have the feeling Seferovic is going to be the starting striker. And if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be partnered with 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 our new signing, uh, Darwin, Darwin Nunez, or if he's going to be partnered with, with Luka Waldschmidt, or if they're gonna put an Adel raptor or a Rafa up there with them, it'll likely be Rafa, but
2: How about the know. Youth Academy kid?
0: He's on the B team, he played yesterday in the B team.
2: Oh man.
0: Yeah. He he uh, once they signed Darwin, the, the youth player went back to the B team. Oh uh, man. But oh, what's his name? His name is Gonzalo Ramos.
2: There he is. That's yeah,
0: he had two goals yesterday in the B team. So
2: Oh so Steve
0: for now he, he yeah. For it.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Gonzalo's coming to us. Which Gonzalo country? Higuaín coming uh-huh. to Inter Miami. Oh, that's Ooh. the us you were talking about? <laughs> he is going to fit in great in the MLS. What a player. What a signing. MLS, just excellent stuff. <laughs> you know, just, oh uh, man. I'm Guys, for those of you that that don't know I was up yesterday at four AM breaking down football. So I am a little bit too tired right now to go on my usual Equine rant. You were oh up boy, at four o'clock. Th- that
0: was this morning, Leo.
2: I am very happy. Oh my god, it was this morning. <laughs>
0: All right. What's okay? Give me a prediction, okay for for Benfica and Pauk, just for the listeners.
2: Yeah, I think I think Benfica dominates this game. I mean, I don't, I really don't give Pauk a chance to score. Uh, Vlako dominates Pauk uh, when he was with us at Banatini Akok, he dominated uh, Pauk, not a very strong team this year, honestly I am expecting them to finish fourth, I think Ike's much better I think Banatini Akok if we could actually figure out how not to play like idiots, we'll finish third and I think Pauk finish fourth um, All right. but yeah, I'm looking at a 3 3 nothing final, I think befica just dominate I think that this is going to be a massacre um it's going kill it's gonna kill Bonk that they're not allowed to have any of the fans out there
0: mm-hmm. um, that was a real equalizer
2: yeah yeah I that that was the dagger for them it, it's over
0: all right, so we'll move forward now, and what are you watching this upcoming week what what's on your radar?
2: so I mean Premier League's definitely on my radar, especially on Monday. they have a couple of good games wolves um wolves and sheffield you're not or not Sheffield oh. Is it, wait a minute. Is it Sheffield?
0: I'll pull it sorry. up right now. For
2: sorry, me. guys. Yeah, it's Wolves and Sheffield United. Um, and then very interesting to see how the new look Chelsea look in the uh, in the Premier League today against Brighton. Or I'm sorry, tomorrow against Brighton. Um, that should be very, very interesting. I'm interested to see how Timo Werner, uh, Hakeem Zayek. I want to see how those guys look. And then Tuesday you have the... Uh, Champions League qualification, like we were just talking about, but the only game I'm going to have any type of interest in is going to be the pac Benfica game, and then um, Let's check it out real quick. Wednesday, same thing. Champions League, Europa League, um, the EFL Cup's going on. Do you put any stock in the EFL Cup? It, you know,
0: it, it's at this stage, it's hard to know too much about these teams because they're using the lower table teams as well. And did it go to a group stage this year? No. No, I'm confusing it with the EFL Trophy then. Um, what do we got on the EFL Cup this week? Any, any
2: uh, EFL patch-ups? Cup On Wednesday, the highlight game is probably going to be – let's see here. Probably Leeds and Hull.
0: Okay.
2: that's so Leans, uh, Now the Premier League teams are starting to get into it, so that's pretty interesting. But, I mean, overall, I don't really like the Cup. I don't, it doesn't do it for me just because the major teams don't take it seriously enough. So that-
0: what I like about it, it's an opportunity for somebody else to win win something if they can get there. And um, like you said, the, the top teams do play their second-choice players in it, but then you end up getting to a semifinal where all of a sudden you've got City versus United or you've got Arsenal and Tottenham and a rivalry takes over. And every once in a while we get a we get a gym in this competition so
2: yeah that's true um end of the week though Bundesliga gets going
0: yes it not does not a whole lot
2: of competition again for Bayern Munich no surprise there Bayern sitting at minus 750 to win the league again can absolutely no surprise but pretty decent game on Saturday between Dortmund and Munich yeah that'll uh, be a I'll
0: good one will definitely
2: be tuning in for that um what else we got this weekend? Some now on guys.
0: ESPN Plus, Bundesliga has moved to ESPN Plus.
2: Yeah, now nothing for Fox. Fox left there. Fox with is, absolutely
0: Yeah, they are. They're putting all their eggs in
2: MLS's basket. That is a sad looking basket, buddy. But then especially again, you know,
0: when, especially when they present the basket. I mean, Fox's, their numbers have been horrible. They they head to head with these, even with ESPN on just MLS, and they they get. Completely smoked in the ratings. People do not like Fox. What they're finding is when Fox has a game, even English-speaking fans are gravitating to 2DNA to to watch it in Spanish.
2: Yeah, I mean, they did such a bad job with the last World Cup.
0: They really did.
2: I agree. It, It didn't feel special at all. They didn't it was missing something, you know, and they didn't hire the right announcers either. No. I really do feel like the announcers make all the difference in soccer compared to and, other sports.
0: And the studio, the studio uh, presenters too at halftime. Here in the United States at least, we expect a certain level of, of halftime coverage and analysis in pregame and postgame. And we saw with CBS in the Champions League Final 8 there how well it can be done with almost the same people. Yeah. And then Fox with, with the same people are, are throwing lame jokes and they're getting, you know, NBA players' perspectives on, on the Champions League. And they're just – or NFL Steve. players. You know, it's the cross-promotion that just comes off really cheesy. Oh,
2: my God. Steve Nash. What a what – <laughs> how did they think that was a good idea? Yeah. I know that's TNT and I know it wasn't Fox, but are you joking? Are you, you joking? Know? You have Champions League. You have an NBA player. Oh my god! Now imagine,
0: love- imagine one of these European players going on and doing NBA analysis just because they're big NBA fans. Because they all are. You know that they all are. They they're they're vocal about their support for the NBA. But can you imagine? You know, uh, let's throw a name out there. Just. Uh, Marco Royce giving a NBA pregame report, like
2: yeah, that would go over very well, especially in America. Very receptive to new things.
0: Oh, well, we'll even use an English Jaden Sancho. How about we got Jaden Sancho breaking down the breaking down the Clippers and the Nuggets game seven? You think what do you think an NBA audience would would make of that?
2: They would be absolutely thrilled. They would just <laughs> soak it up. You know, got to give the people what they want. You know. Dude, that oh, just so bad, so so stupid. Hey, yeah. also I love the Americans' way of like, you can tell the real pink hats, the ones yeah. that like, you know, like when you struggle to uh, pick up like a new language, so you're like you sound clunky yes. and you struggle a little bit, and you're you're only giving the formal words and not the actual words that you should be using. Mm-hmm. That is what it's like talking to some Americans about soccer, especially during the World Cup. You know, the, the pitch, the pitch, the pitch looked great. Like he, these people drive me nuts. Oh,
0: man. Oh, I think it's past your bedtime, buddy.
2: It really is, man. I'm
0: going to let you go. I don't think we got anything else for this week. Uh, we we're, we're can – We're going to keep it
2: – We don't plan to go two hours. <laughs> we, guys. I did a whole hour show
0: without you already, Leo.
2: For those of you watching <laughs> – Every week we come on and we're like, yeah, we're going to keep it short. 20 minutes, it's good. No problem. Actually, we've been doing this for a little bit. We've gone about 40 minutes. You know what? Maybe is this the time to
0: to make an announcement or you want to save it? Well, am I breaking
2: news to you? We have an announcement?
0: Well, we kind of let it out last week that um, this segment is going to be spun off into its own show because for a reason we just stated, we it's supposed to be a 20 minute segment and an hour and 20 minutes later we're still talking, so this is clearly uh, this well, is clearly it to be its own show.
2: yeah, yeah, so I mean pretty exciting stuff. it is going to be our um, going to be the new show. I'm fired up for it, man. I love doing this show. Uh, I promise I will be awake more often that'll be that'll be very useful. Um, I'll take a nap before every show after in between American rugby it'll be great. <laughs>
0: So, in a in a couple of weeks, everybody, this show will be, this will be the Park in the Bus podcast, all right? What you hear right here will be the essential Park in the Bus podcast. I will create a different podcast to review anything we don't get to, some of the more, uh, the league's more on the periphery that we don't get to in this conversation. Um, if needed, I will create a, a supplementary program, or we may just get to it. I may just start reading Chinese league scores while Leo... <laughs> Well, Leo, you know, checks his checks his fantasy American football team. But <laughs> but thank you for joining us again, Leo's. And we're gonna be we're gonna the plan is to have that show go live on YouTube as well, so that we can get a build an audience there. So the way the show will work is we'll keep the Sunday night time slot for a live video and then it'll be released as a podcast on Monday. How's that sound, Leo?
2: I love it. I'm in. We just, again, we got to fix it around that American rugby, man.
0: <laughs> Where can the listeners find you?
2: <laughs> oh, man. You can find us, djensunited.com. Uh, we have free picks. We have free analysis. We have free uh, daily fantasy lineups. We entered a FanDuel lineup. Very, very good at the Premier League fantasy um, fantasy aspect of it. Be sure to check that out. Any questions? Hit me up on Twitter, Dgens underscore United. Would love to help you guys out. Some lineups and stuff. Uh, we did post a lineup out there Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, yesterday. So we absolutely crushed it. That lineup was on fire. I didn't post one today because there was only two games. But every Saturday, you can count on an EPL lineup being posted. I love to play it on Fanduel. Um, that is the game plan for now.
0: Excellent. Thank you again, Leo. And we'll talk to you next
2: week. All right, capitaño. It was a pleasure, buddy. Sweet dreams.
0: All right. I'll be right back with Liga MX roundup. All right. We're going to talk Liga MX and another round is down in the Liga the Liga MX Guardiones as we move toward the final. This is the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. We'll be right back. <laughs> and welcome back to the final segment of episode 12 here on parking the bus your sunday night home for football talk and we're gonna we're gonna be headed to mexico in just a moment but before we take that bus across the ocean again let's stop off in germany and look at the results from the dfb pokal round number one and starting with matches on september the 11th Eintracht Braunschweig five, Hertha Berlin four. So the side from the capital is eliminated in the first round five to four. Yes, that is the final. Uh, Eintracht um, Eintracht Braunschweig is a team that plays in the Bundesliga two, and they would were able to score five goals on Hertha Berlin as Martin Kovalinski opened the scoring in the first minute. And then Hertha Berlin uh, doubled their troubles when Maximilian Mittelstadt had an own goal in the 17th minute. But Hertha would come back. Dodi Lukebaku would make it 2-1. He would cut the lead in half in the 23rd. And in the 28th, it would be Matheus Cunha making it 2-2 and leveling it up. But... Just before halftime, Martin Lansky once again for the Bundesliga two-side. It's 3-2 to Eintracht. Braunschweig going in to halftime. Hertha Berlin would draw level once again in the 65th minute just after the hour mark. Peter Pekarik would make it 3-3. But guess who? Martin Lansky once again one minute later and it's 4-3 to uh, to Eintracht. And in the 72nd minute. It would be Suleiman Abdullah, Abdullahi. Who would make it 5-3. Dodi Bacchio Would make it 5-4 in the 83rd. But that was as close. As Erta could get at the Eintracht Stadion. On a Friday night. And then we move to Saturday's matches. In the competition. And we have 1860 München, one Eintracht Frankfurt two, so the other Eintracht was s- successful in advancing. FSV Union furenschwald one Wolfsburg four, FV Angers nil Bochum three, MTV Eintracht Celle nil Augsburg seven, Nuremberg nil. Red Bull Oh, uh, sorry Rosenborg Leipzig RB Leipzig 3 Oberdenland 0 uh, Mönchengladbach 8 F uh, sorry RSV uh, Hagen 1 Greuther Furth 6 SV uh, to- Todesfelde 0 Osnabruck 1 some of these club names are very difficult to pronounce when you haven't seen some of them before alchin Glinik nil fc cologne six ingolstadt nil fortuna dusseldorf one Karlsruher nil union berlin one union left to fly the flag for the city of berlin for the capital in this competition un two Esger Briege away, nil. Carl Zeiss, Jena, nil. Werder Bremen, two. Continuing to Sunday, a whole nother, sh- a whole nother slate of matches. Schminzer FC, four. Hoffenheim, five. The Bundesliga, one side. Survive a scare. Eintracht Nordstedt, nil. Bayer Leverkusen, seven. Elversberg, 4. St. Pauli, 2. St. Pauli, the popular Bundesliga two-side, eliminated at the start. Singer Arten, 1. Holstein, Kiel, 7. Schweinfurt and Schalke were postponed. Hansa, Rostock, 0. VFB, Stuttgart, 1. Kaiserslautern, 4. Jan uh, Regensburg, five. This was a match that actually went to penalty kicks, as did the other four or five results I read. Not the first one, but the the more recent one. And continuing with Sunday's results. we have, I lost my spot. I do apologize. Here we go. We have Wiedenbruck, uh, nil, nil. Paderborn 5, Steinbach 1, Sandhausen 2, Magdeburg 2, Darmstadt 3, Waldorf, Mannheim 1, Freiburg 2, and Wehen 1, Heiderheim 0. More matches to be played on September the 14th on Monday. By the time you listen, these matches probably have already taken place, but the old East German powerhouse Dynamo Dresden host Hamburg, a club I have a little bit of interest in and in a club that I try to follow as best I can. Uh, that should be an interesting one. Uh, Twelve thirty p.m. Eastern time kickoff for that one. Essen will host Armenia Beelfield. Beelfeld, excuse me. Würzburger Kickers host Hanover 95, and Duisburg will host Borussia Dortmund later this afternoon, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, uh, Monday at 2.45 Eastern Time. And then the final match of the round takes place on, on October the 15th. It will be a Durin t- hosting a Bayern. All right, let's move on now to Mexico. Let's go to Liga MX and see how this weekend went down in Liga MX. As we move to the first matches starting off on Friday night, September the 11th, of course. Nicaxa at home, one. Chivas, Guadalajara, two. FC Juarez, one. Puebla, nil. Moving on to Saturday, Atlas 1, Mezatlan 1, Tigres 2, Santos Laguna 0, and Club America 1, Toluca 1. Sunday's results, Pumas 3, Atlético San Luis 0, Querétaro 2, Leon 3, Cholos Tijuana 1, Cruz Azul 2. And then the the round concludes on Monday night, ten o'clock Eastern time. Pachuca versus Monterrey versus El Reados. Let's take a look at the table in Liga MX. And I should have said Los Reados, not El, but my conjugation was never my strength in any language. Let's take a look at the table now. Ten rounds complete with the exception of Pachuca and Monterrey. Pumas are top of the table this week. They have 22 points from 10 matches. Cruz Azul right there with them, also on 22 points. León, our third, with 21 points. Club America, fourth on 25th, is Chivas Guadalajara, making their way back towards the playoff places this season. They have 15 points from 10 matches. Tigres are sixth on 14 points, also on 14th and 7th. Pachuca, and in eighth is Monterrey. Remember, the, both those teams have the match in hand. Ninth is Juarez with 13. Also with 13 is Toluca in tenth. Queretaro in 11th with 11 points. Puebla to, in the final spot for the net for to advance. Uh, in 12th place, Puebla have 10 points ahead on goal difference to Atlas and Mezatlan and Ch- Cholos Tijuana, all on 10 points. Santos Laguna are 16th on 9. Atletico San Luis, 17th on 8, as is Nicaxa on 8. They are in the basement right now in 18th place. Let's take a look at the top goal scorers in Liga MX. Top of the league and uh, in the race for the Golden Boot. None other than. Andre Pierre-, Pierre Gignac, the French international, former French international, uh, continues to just dazzle in Liga MX. He is someone who has completely embraced the project of Tigres and has become a a legend at that club, in my opinion, over the past several seasons. Second place: Jonathan Rodriguez and Juan Ignacio Deneno, both with six goals. Jonathan Rodriguez of Cruz Azul, of course, and Juan Ignacio De Neno of Pumas, Alexis Canelo, and Victor Davila of Toluca and Pachuca, respectively, are next with five goals. And with four goals, we have a whole slew of players that I won't list all of them, but there is a whole host of players with four goals. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 12. That does it for this week uh, as we said in the in the Sunday night sports book, I gave a little sneak peek. I let out a little cat out of the bag, if you will, a little announcement. In the coming weeks, in probably two to three weeks, you will see that format take over the entire show. Uh, we have decided together, both Leo and I, um, that probably the best interest of the show is to make it a two person, a two person conversation show versus a solo show with segments of uh you know with an interview segment and then a special contributor segment all right but we will any any special contributor is also still going to be welcome on this program but they'll be brought in into the context of Leo and I co-hosting the show okay i think that the the segment has done really well and our thoughts are, like I said, to make this a YouTube, a live YouTube Sunday night show, with the podcast available first thing Monday morning. So stay tuned to PTB Media Network for that information. You can do that by following the Twitter at PTB underscore Media, and if this website ever gets launched, I'll let you know uh, about that. It's it's still in the works. It's a little bit of a of a of a frustrating. Uh, situation but it's we gave a web developer a huge project um basically to combine the ptb media network the mr Benfica podcast www.mrbenfica.com and the dgens united podcasts into one okay And he is working diligently for us, and we continue to make updates to our request. So that's also part of the reason that the website's yet to be launched. But stay tuned. It will be there. And, um... And we're excited to bring that to you in the in the coming days and weeks here as the 2020 2021 at least European season uh, gets ready to kick off. Later on this week, I do plan on having a PTB Champions League review show. I know I didn't get one out for the final, but um, we kind of covered it in the P- in the sports book segment, and I figured it. I it, we got to a point where we were kind of too far away. We were working on other things and I th- kind of just thought that the the time frame for that's for that show had sort of the window had closed. So I didn't so there's a few review shows I haven't done one in a in a while, but my plans are this week to have a Champions League review show covering all of the preliminary rounds of the UEFA Champions League. All right, we are in the third qualification round right before what they call the playoff. Um, So uh, teams are on the, are on the door knocking entire budgets are resting on these matches Tuesday and Wednesday. So I will have a recap probably Thursday with all of the results. Also, Mr. Benfica will have a season uh, premiere later this week when, when I review the match with Pauk from the champions league qualifying stage, as I have some stuff to debut too. I think you're going to like it. Um, also, this week I will finish Season 2 of Mr. Benfica when I conclude my 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 review of 1989-90, which was when Joran Eriksson's return to Benfica. And also, Flamengo Nation has kind of been on pause, on hiatus. I'll bring that back in the, in the next week or two and catch everybody up to speed on that one. So just stay tuned to all of the stuff coming out. Also, gonna have a in this is a priority of mine a PTB Copa Libertadores review show by Friday or by Saturday morning, I suppose at the latest, as we the competition returns this week, matches on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So um, I will have that out for you on this space at this time next week for sure. Thank you for joining me and my guests once again. Thank you to Mario for another great segment from Canada. Thank you to Leo for joining me at all hours of the night to get that 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 um, segment recorded. If you haven't yet, you can check it out on YouTube as well as soon as it goes up. It'll go up probably Tuesday morning on YouTube. All right, so thank you again. Make sure to, to visit our sponsor, uh, betonline.ag. OK, make sure you go to their website, place a wager or to help those guys out there helping us out. We really appreciate it. And I will catch you all back here next Sunday for the PTB Parking the Bus podcast. It'll be episode 13. There'll be another ton of stuff to talk about. And I will see you then signing off. This is the Mr. Mike Agustino for Parking the Bus.